Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. From our team to you, welcome to Season 2 of Convert Central. In Season 1, we've had the privilege of interviewing 15 converts across the months of Ramadan and Shawwal. This season, we have created a plethora of topics for every Muslim regardless of our background, our interests and our races. We pray that every podcast that we upload will be beneficial to you guys and meanwhile, enjoy listening to Season 2 of Convert Central. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to Season 2 of Convert Central. So, in Season 2, we will be having recurring Convert stories, uh, I think twice a month. And the theme that we've decided to go for our Convert sharings in Season 2 is actually the theme of minorities even within our Convert community. So, uh, that means we will be focusing on races like uh, the, the Japanese converts in Singapore or, or Korean converts in Singapore. And today, we are so blessed to have with us uh, our Brother Bilal, who will share with us his story. So, I know Brother Bilal through uh, Darul Akam and he's an avid volunteer there. And also, inshallah, he will be part of the council member in time to come, uh, contributing back to the community in many, many different ways. So, at the same time, he also runs uh, something like what we're doing at Convert Central. And uh, on, on his Instagram together with his wife, it's called Ask the Revert series. So inshallah, today we'll be exploring his stories and also finding out the kind of rationale coming to Ask the Revert as well at the end of the podcast. So, Badabila, please take it away, introduce yourself and tell us how you came into Islam. Sure, sure. Uh, so first and foremost, uh, assalamu alaikum and thank you for inviting me. Uh, that's uh, I'm really honored by uh, you know the the gesture of thinking of me as one of your guests. And uh, yeah, my story to Islam is very interesting, like uh, many of us as uh, as converts, of course. And uh, um, just to set a bit of background, uh, I come from France originally, and you might know already that uh, the Muslim community there is quite large. Um, actually, if you look at the statistics uh, in Europe, uh, the larger Muslim community in Western Europe is actually in France, uh, followed by UK and Germany. So in France, we, we have a lot of Moroccans, Algerians, uh, people from Tunisia, people from Senegal and other parts of the world, which are actually um, uh, Muslim countries and uh, um, basically uh, a lot of uh, French people uh, who are born in France uh, have origins from those countries. So uh, they are bringing uh, with them uh, the religion of Islam. So um, why I'm saying this is because when I was in school when I was a kid uh, I had a lot of Muslim friends and uh, you know I was exposed in some ways to Islam not really on the religion uh, per se not really on the on, on the fique but more into the uh, mannerism the ethics of being Muslim so you know trying to treat your brother uh, I mean anybody like your brother uh, trying to be very uh, helpful to the community sharing stuff uh, and, and I really love that kind of thing I'll give you an example here uh, when uh, I still remember, you know, one day I went to uh, I went to my uh, to my friend's house, and uh, his mom was there, and uh, his mom uh, actually came to me and and, and she, she really welcomed me with open arms. And yeah, he's a Muslim. He's actually my best friend, and his mom was so nice. You know, she she actually t- told me like, okay, take the best seat. You know, bringing tons of food. Really, I'm making sure like I'm treating like like a king. You know, and I was thinking like, wow. Uh, where is this coming from? You know, I, I'm not used to that kind of uh, treatment, like that much of that level. Uh, so, and it's not the first time that happened. I went to visit those uh, Muslim friends to their home. It was exactly the same thing. I went to Muslim weddings, and then uh, same thing. You know, I, I, you know the people that I sit with at the table, they share most of the food with me. They actually say, "I'm not gonna eat first. I'm gonna give you more food first, and then we're gonna eat." So I, I realized all those uh, manners, uh, which are very nice uh, manners to have. And uh, I realized in the long run that those were manners related to Islam. 
So the concept of brotherhood is something that uh, really uh, attracted me, uh, I would say. Uh, but that's just the beginning. So along the journey, uh, what happened was um, I actually uh, left uh, France. I moved to UK. Uh, that was back in 2007. And I moved to a city called Birmingham in UK. Birmingham is the second city in UK. And uh, if you go there, actually, you will realize there is a very large uh, community of uh, Pakistani and people from Bangladesh. So uh, a lot of Muslims, uh, many, 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 uh, a lot of these Streets, uh, Muslim areas, etc. So, um, I, um, I I got friends with uh, some people from uh, from Pakistan there, and uh, they were the first ones who approached me when I was working there. They, they could feel I was lonely; I didn't have friends, so they started to become friends with me. They invited me to their house, and same thing again. You know, the generosity was really there. They always share stuff with me every time. They tell me if you need anything, just call me. It doesn't matter the timing. Uh, you know, if you need a lift from place A to place B, just call me. I still remember, you know, one of the guys that I was hanging out with. One day we were having dinner, and then uh, this guy was having like a very beautiful watch, and I kept staring at it because, yeah, I really like it. It was a very nice watch, and uh, uh, it's quite an expensive watch and 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 he was like you like this watch don't you and i was like uh yeah it's nice and i said you know what just just take it and i was like what <laughs> no 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 you must be kidding no no no. just take it it's okay just take it it's a gift from me to you and i was like again you know those guys are so generous and then uh things carried on but uh, one big event was this um so I, I used to work in a hotel in the uk and uh i actually made friends with many of the guests and uh there was a group of guests who were from Egypt and those were guys who are like our public workers here. So, you know, our people from China and Bangladesh who, who work here in Singapore and, and build all the great buildings that we have, exactly the same thing, but for UK. So they travel from Egypt to go to UK to help for construction, etc. So I made friends with some of those Egyptians and uh, one day there was Christmas day and uh, I, I came to them. And I, I actually bought a box of chocolates and I was like, uh, I just wanted to be nice to them because I know they are away from their family and I give them a box of chocolate. And then they were very touched because I think they, they were a bit like me. They didn't have much friends. Not many people speak to them, etc. But they were quite touched that I came up front, you know, I knocked their door, I gave them chocolate, you know, it's just a, a very simple gesture. So one of the guys uh, actually approached me and said, wow, you are so nice, you know, this is, this is very kind of you and all. Please enter our room. And then they started to take out a lot of food and etc. And uh, what happened was one of the guys was like, uh, we are going back to Egypt actually in, uh, in three weeks time. And I want to take your address. Can you please give me your home address? I want to send you something. So I said, yeah, why not? So he took my address. Uh, that was my UK address. And he went back to Cairo. And when he went back to Cairo, uh, he actually bought a couple of things that he sent to my home in UK. So can you imagine that guy's a public worker? Maybe he doesn't have much money. Uh, he still remembers mm. me. Uh, he still fulfills his promise. He's sending me something all the way from Cairo uh, to Birmingham. Uh, mm -hmm. I got this box, I opened this box, I opened it, and then there was like, uh, there was a songkok, there was a jellaba, and there was a, a tasbi, uh, and those are stuff, and I was like, wow, this is so beautiful, I just don't know what to do with it, you know, so I'm wearing, you know, the songkok at home, I'm not a Muslim, but yet I enjoy the feeling, you know, I wear the jellaba, it's so comfortable, I look at the tasbi, I'm like, this is cool, it's beautiful, I just don't know what to do with it, put it in the mm -hmm. corner nicely, but um, you see, the thing is, uh, I started to meet more and more people who were having this kind of uh, gesture towards me. So um, after that, uh, I left uh, UK. So I moved to Korea and Korea, nothing happened. Then I moved to Singapore. 
And in Singapore, uh, what happened was uh, I actually uh, met uh, my current wife, uh, Nadia, and uh, she started to uh, introduce me more to Islam at, uh, at another level. Uh, and, and basically uh, what happened there was um, when, when we were getting to know each other, when we started to date, she told me like, hey, uh, you know, uh, of course, if we, if we want to move things forward, of course, you need to become a Muslim. But uh, the way on how she was actually positioning it was in a way that was uh, not pushy. Uh, she was actually only playing on uh, doing the right actions in front of me, being very kind, doing a lot of charity, doing a lot of good stuff. And uh, I got very impressed by that. She didn't really talk about religion much, but she told me the religion is important for you to know, have an open mind to it. Why not you go to the Olakam to learn about it? Uh, have an open mind, don't judge, and uh, you can start to learn. And uh, there are two things that happen in between. The first thing was uh, I, uh, um, one of my best, I mean, my best friend in Singapore who is mm -hmm. French Moroccan uh, had to leave Singapore mm -hmm. and uh, because he couldn't bring all the, everything back home, he, he gave me a couple of stuff. And one of the things mm -hmm. that he got for me was uh, he said, uh, I can't bring this thing. It's the, it's the Quran, you know, it's a French Quran. Do you want to keep it? And then again, I was not a Muslim yet, but I just kept it. You see another gift again, that is Islamic that I got for some reasons. Uh, again, I put in the corner of the Tasbih and everything, don't really touch it, but anyway, I, I got it for me. Uh, and then uh, in the meantime, uh, I also had a lot of uh, very high level, big questions about Islam, such as, for example, uh, you know, how do we prove that God exists and uh, uh, why is Islam, you know, any better than any other religion, if that's the case? I mean, how is it different from the rest or you know, all those kind of things? And uh, uh, I was trying to really be challenging when I go to Daulakam and try to have those uh, very tough questions. And I want to see what do people reply when I actually ask those questions? So what happened was uh, Nadia saw that uh, I was having all those questions in my mind and she said, you know what, let's try to clear it out. So she said, let's meet uh, this Ustaz that I got recommended to speak with, uh, Ustaz uh, Misi Wahid, that you know from Safina mm. Institute. And uh, I went to meet with him at his office. Uh, and that was in back in 2015, I think, beginning of the year in 2015. And uh, I prepared my crazy questions. You know, I made the listing of questions that I wrote down, everything. I was ready to challenge him. And I came to meet him. And uh, I ask him those tough questions, you know, anything that we see on TV about Islam, you know, all the things that are very um, typical questions coming from Caucasians who are not Muslim, I would say. So I started to ask those questions and, and, and you know, believe it or not, but the answers of Ustaz were so beautiful and uh, uh, everything that he actually told me really made sense. Everything was highly justified. And I was I was actually trapped in a corner. I wanted to trap him, put him in a corner, but he, he actually, it actually came back to me in a very, uh, I, I was being awkward, you know, and I was like, uh, I have to accept what he said. You know, ABC questions I asked, everything that he replied was very nice. I liked the answers. So I was mm -hmm. like, okay, okay, I have an open mind. Well, you won, you know, and I accept what you said. Uh, moving forward, what I did was I took exactly the same question and I actually uh, asked this question to other Ustaz in Singapore, to other Ustaz, just to double check. And again, the answers they gave me were exactly the same as uh, Ustaz Mizi. So again, I felt very like, uh, this is very... Um, there is not uh, many stories, you know, it's just one justification. It's always the same mm. thing. It's, so it's very um, well explained. It makes sense, uh, you know, and, and I felt like, wow, you know, this is amazing. 
So cut it short, moving forward, I went to the Olakam and then I went to uh, 10 classes there. Um, so at the beginning, the, of course, as you know, the BCI, you go for more the theory classes, uh, you learn about uh, history of Islam, uh, some of the big events, etc. This is how it starts. Uh, of course, they're trying to break the ice with us to make us feel comfortable. And uh, I felt like I was not really... Uh, I, I was not really touched as, as much at the beginning because back in the days I was still having a lifestyle which was probably mm, not ideal for someone who is attending classes in the sense that maybe I was not ready in the sense that I was still drinking, I was still meeting people, you know, my drinking friends. Uh, Nadia really was, you know, battling it every single week. You have to stop. You have to stop. It's it's me or your drinking friends. Uh, and, and slowly, you know, uh, she she won my heart completely, and I gave up on all of this. But uh, I was in this battle where I was going to drink my friends, uh, sometimes without telling her. Mm-hmm. And then I was going to class the day after. So can you imagine? And uh, I go to Dawalakam and then I'm kind of interested. I like his story. Uh, you know, I like what they talk about, but I was not really touched yet just because mm-hmm. I'm not ready. So moving forward after the, uh, the, 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 the the beginning of the BCI, the theory class, I went to the solar class. Mm-hmm. And this is how things really, really changed for me. I met with uh, brother Samir, Usta Samir. And he was my solar teacher, and you know Samir, he has this kind of uh, aura, you know. He's, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, Calming, you know, you feel very calm, peaceful, and I, I really like to talk to him, you know. Yeah. And um, I, yeah, I, I don't know, I just have this connection with him, and uh, I, uh, I, I started to, you know, go to uh, solar class, you know, every Thursday, and then because I, I really like him as a person. So you see, it's the mannerism and it's the behavior. It's nothing to do with Islam, actually. Yeah, you you remind you a lot of the Panda Brothers. You yeah, Rossi. yes. And uh, I uh, I got very touched. And, and then what, what happened was because I had this uh, high level of respect for him, yeah. uh, if uh, he tells me to do something, okay, guys, next week you have to learn uh, Al-Fatiha or anything, I will do it diligently and I will mm-hmm. do it with sincerity because I feel he's a very good person. I don't want to break his heart. So I need to put 100% into what he's telling me to do, which I did. So uh, we became more and more friends, you know, and even after the solar class, we go for, you know, copy and all of these. We discuss, you know, I ask him, um, again, other questions that I have in mind just to clarify. And uh, I got more and more and more and more touched by Islam, which became even more uh, addictive. You know, he he actually recommended me to read some books, which I did. I read the books. I feel very touched. Uh, one thing that really, really made uh, me become very touched by Islam was especially reading the biography of uh, Rasulullah because uh, it's um, it's something that um, it's something that is uh, you know you know the, the, the reaction that he has when he's tackling problems um, it, it, all the the, the the sunnah that he's doing and all of that I mean any human beings that we know are in, 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 in our entourage wouldn't be able to react as the way on how he did it like for example if somebody is offending you you know, usually you get angry and then you would try to reply back. But for him, no, he was ignoring, he was forgiving, he was praying for them. So I was like, you know, as I was reading this book, I actually, I actually teared, you know, that's, it's amazing, you know, the effect of that small book. It's a small book that they have in the Olakam, you know, it's mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, the, Yes, it's small, a green small book, biography. Uh, it's a green book, yes. A five size, I think. It's right, super small booklet. That's right, and uh, that book was amazing, you know. And and also the fact that I was listening to some songs as well. 
like myazin and all you know it's it's nice you know the the the, the how he speaks about values you know family uh all the beautiful things about islam so you know i got attracted by all of this all together you know and uh finally i started to to really really change and and really go like 200 into mm-hmm. what i had to do so that's that's how i i went into that and then finally of course the the day of conversion came uh was ready uh that was before way before my wedding uh yeah. i actually i actually Ramadan. I did a lot of things that Muslims do before being Muslims. I did Ramadan. I, you know, yeah. I, I was already praying and I was already, you know, molded, you know. So I naturally took my Shahada and uh, it was very straightforward and, uh, and, 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 and basically, uh, yeah, it was a very easy move. Uh, I didn't do it for Nadia, uh, to be honest with you. If, if, if I had to become Muslim just for the sake of getting married, I'd rather not get married in the first place. Yeah. I'm just telling you really honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did it, you know, with my, uh, whole heartedly and, uh, and, and yeah, Alhamdulillah, things, uh, things have been amazing, uh, since then. That's the best uh, decision I made in my life. Alhamdulillah, and, and you, you guys have a, have a child as well, right? How old is your child? So we have two children now. Uh, we have uh, one boy and uh, Nahian, who is uh, going to be three years old soon, and uh, one girl, Inaya, she's uh, a bit more than one year old now. Mashallah, and uh, Inshallah, I think we are planning a Converts Children, Second Gen Convert series as well, Inshallah. We would love to get the entire family on board uh, in, in due time. But that was uh, something that really kind of spoke up to me in your sharing is that... Um, I, I, I thought that if since like Singapore we are kind of dominated by even the converse community either Chinese or Indian uh, converts right we don't really I, I would think that a minority race experience towards conversion would be different so but actually when I hearing your story I realised that I see a lot of recurring themes in other people's story as well but now something that is most amazing is that I, I feel like uh, as I was listening to your story I felt that we can be speaking different languages and have different cultural practices, but like brotherhood is super universal. So like regardless of whether you're in UK or you were in, you know, your your, your brothers were in Cairo or you're in Singapore and you see Mr. Samir, you know, you, you recognize brotherhood the moment you feel it. It's such a very special and warm feeling that that honestly, you know, uh, um, some of the reasons why Converts take the Shahada in the first place. So, you know, uh, I think we have been emphasizing on brotherhood for a long time at Commerce Central. So uh, for it's always a very important thing that all Muslims have to be cognizant of that uh, sometimes, of course, logical thinking, logical concepts are, are things that will bring someone to Islam. But sometimes it's also about our conduct, how we really truly love someone uh, as if we, as you know, we want one for our brother, what we want for ourselves. And I think like something that was so interesting that was so pronounced in your story was that the, the concept of Hidayah and Taufik. So Hidayah means, you know, kind of like the guidance towards Islam, knowing, being aware of Islam and having knowledge on it. But Taufik is when you really get help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to embrace the deen. So we see a lot of people around us sometimes. For me, it would be my mom, because she, she, she's a Malaysian. So she, she has the kind of intimate perspective on Islam and the beauty of Islam. But like, I, of course, I hope for her to be a Muslim, inshallah. But she, she has not embraced Islam yet. So to me, she's like the kind of person that has the hidayah of Islam and knowing the beauty of it, but not the tawfiq. So um, for you, I think yours was like in very pronounced stages. So the first part was knowing Islam through brotherhood. And then after that, in, in due time, Allah kind of subconsciously helped you set up a halal corner. 
with the Tasbir and the Quran, and then after that, uh, he sent you Nadia as kind of like not not as your means of conversion, but as as a kind of a conduit of of giving his help to you. To say, okay, let's take a next step. And then once you are ready, once you have the kind of knowledge and you are emotionally ready to take the next step, then he sends Ustaz Samir to your path and he says, okay, this is now the time you start to commit to Islam at a greater scale. I think that's something beautiful that, that uh, we, we all can be you know, reminded of that people take their time sometimes and sometimes we feel like it's a waste that someone has the hidayah but they don't want to take Islam as their main religion, which I think converts with a lot of times. But inshallah, we pray for them and, and, and their topic will come. So I actually have a few questions and I hope you don't mind answering them because uh, I, I was so intrigued when I was listening to your story. And, and the first question is that uh, you have you kind of seen how Muslims practice and you have, you kind of, I think you would know the kind of Islamic context in different countries, three countries, in fact. So uh, in France, in UK and also in Singapore, right? So I just want to ask if there's any, to you, if there's any differences in practice, uh, is it dif- more difficult to practice in uh, France, UK or in Singapore? Oh, I think we are blessed to be in Singapore, you know. Uh, it's probably one of the best places to learn about Islam. Uh, there is multiple reasons for that. I think, mm. you know, uh, all the great things that Singapore does in terms of monitoring who we teach with. I mean, who we learn from basically, you know, the Asatisa program, making sure that we learn from the right people. Because sometimes, you know, the problem of many countries, especially uh, uh, where I come from, you know, Western Europe, is that uh, we don't have such a satiza, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and the thing is, uh, you, you, you might be learning from someone that you don't even know the background. Uh, he might be misleading you. You might think that mm. you're learning about Islam, but you are learning about something else and that can be very dangerous. And uh, so I think, you know, being in Singapore where everything is like, uh, you have classes everywhere, a lot of free classes some more uh it's so easy to find masjid uh there is like uh you know a lot of halal places to eat and uh, there is awareness of uh the local population towards muslim because of course of the um, malay community or indian mm-hmm. community etc so uh that makes things a lot easier uh, so in, in Singapore, absolutely no issues. Uh, I think uh, if you go into Western Europe, and now I'm referring to when I go back for uh, holidays, uh, it's it's a little bit tougher because the thing is, uh, you need to understand that uh, uh, a lot of Muslims down there are really influenced by the Western culture. And they think it's so cool to be a Westerner. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, this kind of notion can kill uh, your faith. In the sense that uh, um, you might um, slowly, without realizing, uh, not do the right things that your religion tells you to do. So um, in that extent, I think uh, some of the issues that I had was uh, I, I, I don't really see... I mean, I'm not here to judge or anything, but if you ask me to give a simple comparison, mm-hmm. I will rather see a lot more people in Southeast Asia practicing the religion. Mm. Uh, that's clear cut. Uh, if you look at Singapore, I mean, most of people are quite aware, you know, they, they go to the masjid and they make sure that they fulfill their prayers. It's quite a high number. But if you go into Western Europe, uh, you find less of that. You might have mm. a lot of Muslim friends, but they don't mind to go drinking or maybe, you know, they don't mind not to pray. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, again, we're not here to judge. Uh, but uh, then it means that it influences you because the thing, in, the fact of the matter is that you feel lonely because you don't really have people like you, maybe. 
and, mm-hmm. and then you want to go to pray somewhere and there is no masjid anywhere uh, you want to eat uh, uh, halal food there is not much choice you need to go mm-hmm. to the city if you live in the countryside it's, it's difficult to find a place that is halal so there is a lot of obstacles in the sense that uh, there's a lot less options and mm. you are probably more of a minority down there. Uh, mm. So that, that's how I will compare actually the two. See, and, and I, I think that um, it's, it's true. I, I, I lived in Australia for just eight months, not too long, but within the eight months, I really felt like it was so tough being a Muslim because Friday prayers is something that we have to be there, right? But in Singapore, we can just walk maybe 30 minutes in any direction and find a mosque. And, but in, in, when I was in Perth, there was only a Perth mosque. Uh, and yeah, so you know, everyone had to go there, and I wasn't able to because I was too far away. So, uh, you know, even I feel like perhaps uh, one of the blessings that we can count as a minority in Singapore, even within the commerce committees, that at least we're in Singapore, you know, at, at least you know, perhaps uh, I might not have too many people of my own culture to relate to, but at least I'm still in Singapore. You know, there's a very sheltered community. There are a lot of facilities that facilitate my practices, and I think that's something that we have to be extremely grateful for. Even for the mosque, like the the the, the pace at which we are able to reopen and 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 to open up the baraka of the mosque to all of our community is just something that we have to really, uh, you know, thank Allah for. And uh, just one last question before uh, we move on to the next part. I'll, I'm just so interested in in what what do you see of yourself like as a non-Muslim and as a Muslim. What do you think is your biggest change coming from? Of course, a Caucasian background, and and come and then after that becoming Muslim in Singapore. What do you think has changed then? Because I want to share a funny story. Uh, one of our teachers, uh, is is a teacher. He he goes around to teach in different places. So he says that from from now on, he he would like to teach in Southeast Asia countries because in 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 Asian countries because of the Asian mindset, we just don't like to ask questions. So like when he teaches in the he teaches in the European countries, right? When class ends, and then like he says any questions, right? They can go on for forty five minutes to one hour answering questions. But in Singapore, when he says okay, class ends, anyone questions, right? Everyone's afraid to put out their hands. So he says um, we can be done with Q&A in five minutes, and then I'm gonna teach you for the rest of my life. So that's something that I found very interesting. Yeah, but, but please, but back to you. What do you think is your biggest change from you know uh, a non-Islamic lifestyle to right now? Yes, you are practicing Muslim. Actually, the, I'm going to relate to just what you said, uh, you know, about not asking questions. Uh, I think now I have a lot more confidence because I'm more scared of Allah than anything mm-hmm. else. So in that sense, I have the confidence that I need to seek for knowledge. So it doesn't matter, you know, the questions that I ask. Maybe those are silly questions. Maybe mm-hmm. people might make fun of me, but it doesn't really bother me because I know that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I'm trying to get the right knowledge for, for things. And uh, I think, you know, being Muslim creates more confidence in the sense that uh, we are trying to reach the concept of excellence uh, and of course uh, being moderate as well uh, and the, the 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 thing that uh, I mean there's so many changes uh, to be honest uh, that I have never been you know uh, uh, I wouldn't say I've been a bad boy or b- bad person before no I was still I would say still kind helping people I was always been in my mind because my mom has been teaching me those values so there's absolutely no issues in that uh, but the thing is of course quitting drinking and and have a purpose of life I think this is most important because the thing is you know you can go uh, like uh, having like uh, uh, 
a lifestyle where you have no plan, it's day by day, and uh, there's no structure, there's no core. Uh, it, it's very blank, it's very empty. Sometimes you feel depressed to think about life because you mm -hmm. don't really have a purpose. So I think becoming Muslim created in me uh, the notion of purpose of life. Uh, why were we created? Uh, what are we supposed to do uh, in this dunya? And uh, uh, what are the rewards uh, if we do well in this dunya? And, uh, and, and, and uh, it's really about uh, trying to do good things every day trying to help people, you know, it can be charity, trying to reach out to friends who are in need, trying to, uh, you know, keep doing good things because the more you do good things, the more you you actually feel uh, self-contentment because you see that you are doing, yeah, good stuff. So uh, overall, uh, I think in terms of time management, because before I was managing my time poorly, doing the wrong things. Now I really make sure that uh, I plan uh, my time and I do things that we are supposed to do as, as Muslim. It can be learning about the religion. It can be, again, helping people, etc. Uh, I think I'm a lot more um, calm, anger management or anything to do with uh, uh, patience. Uh, patience is a big thing. Uh, I was not as patient as today because I've learned that uh, in Islam, you know, Patience is super important, and mm. I have learned the ways on how to work on that. And then, uh, again, uh, family ties as well, because mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, uh, back in the days, you know, it was more like a, a rock and roll, you know, lifestyle. And then uh, sometimes you, you forget a bit about your family. I mean, not not extremely, but you mm. call them less. But now I call them a lot more. And I think my parents felt that uh, since I became Muslim, I, I, I really changed a lot in, in, a, in a better way. So they were very glad actually with this move. And uh, yeah, so uh, it's, it's all goodness, all goodness, everything. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. And with good actions, uh, it's always empowered by knowledge. And uh, we, together with good time management means, you know, we spend our time regularly for classes. And, and a sign of a, a person with good knowledge is, is his mannerisms. Because if you wouldn't know, you wouldn't practice. So I think, you know, those brothers who show such good mannerisms, they are really uh, people that we should look up to in our, in our own circles, in our own communities. And Alhamdulillah, you know, uh, we are so blessed to have people around us readily in Singapore to, to, to look at and to look up to, including yourself, Brother Bilal. Uh, so, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and uh, thank you to, for sharing your story with us. And uh, that was actually very, very inspiring for I've actually known you for quite a while. I've, I've not gotten the chance to listen to your story yet. So first time actually, and uh, it, it really touches my heart to see the kind of journey that you've been on. And uh, the next thing that I would like to talk about is actually your series with your wife and it's called Ask the Revert. So, you know, I just want to, I guess the viewers also want to know, like, uh, why do you guys choose to come up with uh, a series on Instagram? And, you know, what is your direction with, uh, together with, you know, why, where do you guys see yourselves taking the series to? Uh, yeah, there are a couple of reasons for that. And I think it's super important to talk about it. Um, I think if you look at uh, the era that we are into, especially COVID-19, uh, you will realize when you open social media, what do you see? A lot of negativity, a lot of mm -hmm. bad comments. And it's getting worse and worse every week. It's depressing. You don't even want to open your social media anymore to that level. Okay. So uh, we that was one of the reasons when we, we want to give more positivity, talk about things that maybe are bringing more goodness uh the other thing is uh nadia thought about 
uh, taking things to the next level on her platform, doing something that really makes sense. She has quite a reach of followers. So she thought, um, what can we do that is really impacting people's lives? So we mm. talked about it. And number three is because we also realized a lot of people reach out to her to ask, you know, I have marital issues. My mm. husband is a convert. How do you overcome that, Nadia? What do you do? She got many questions like this from sisters mm -hmm. uh, asking for advices or anything like that. So uh, she thought, like, why not we, we try to address this uh, instead of uh, replying to every single message? Why not we address this um, to the general public in a, in a in kind of a structured manner? Uh, so putting all of those things together, we thought that, yeah, it perfectly makes sense. And at the end of the day, you know, we we, we actually working for, you know, Akhira and, and it's very important to try to focus on doing the right things. We don't know how long we're going to live. So I think it's always, you know, important to do things uh, as soon as possible. So those are the reasons. See, I see. And, and this is extremely important, especially within our context, because this is exactly also the reason why Convert Central exists and, and what we're trying to solve. Uh, you know, this conversion and the challenges that are associated with it is a very niche area that not a lot of places cover. And perhaps a lot of organizations don't have access to converts. So, you know, to see that, you know, uh, you guys doing something so impactful within the same community, you know, and doing it such a skill, we are very thankful for your involvement in the community. And uh, we urge, you know, uh, every listener, you know, uh, you know, I, I feel like you should be the marketer for, for Commerce Central because every time I listen to you talk about your series, I feel like, you know, we should start listen, uh, watching this. I'm watching it now. So, yeah, if you guys have the time, please do go and listen to um, uh, his series. And I think one of the more benefit, uh, one of the very, the ones that I benefited from a lot was uh, the session with uh, Ustaz Sayy Sai Alkaf. Uh, he addresses many uh, sensitive issues when it comes to conversion and, and how uh, converts and also bomb Muslims can look at these issues to kind of facilitate understanding uh, between these two uh, groups of uh, people. So, yeah, uh, they, uh, and they can assess the uh, Instagram lives uh, on uh, what Instagram uh, handle is that, uh, if we may just get it on our podcast. And yeah, it's a it's a it's a IG live and it's on uh, Nadia Mdin platform, so my wife's platform. So we are using her account to to have those uh, uh, those lives. Uh, another thing that I wanted to mention that I forgot is uh, so trying to pull back people to the to, to Islamic mm -hmm. classes, mm -hmm. uh, trying to bring them back to meet their ustas or ustaza because that's the reason why. If you realize the format that we have is uh, uh, for two weeks we have uh, two converts and the week after we have uh, ustas or ustaza because we feel the need that. Uh, uh, it's very important to hear from the Asatiza uh, as well in the sense that we want them to touch on sensitive topic. It can be like hate on social media. It can be like uh, mm. uh, Islam and culture. It can be like uh, you know, all the things that people technically will always debate on or they will always be puzzled and they will hear mm. like multiple versions. So we thought of doing that as well. So, mm. uh, yeah. And, and, and again, you know, I think you guys are doing a great job as well. I'm very happy to see that, you know, you, you are also... Uh, if we all do all things together, I think it's it's really about this union thing. I never believe into doing things separately. Uh, do my yeah, thing, yeah. you do your thing. No, I think like yeah. we all reach the same goal in doing different things, but we are all together, and mm. I think it's very important. Yeah, and and please too, if we are able to be involved in any of the plans you guys have in the future, we would love to because you know uh, ultimately we, we are here to bring benefit to the community. If we can work together and bring more benefit, then I think that's that's the way forward. And uh, like what you said, truly, and these conversations that 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 people talk about all day, the the people that they impact the most are people with 
little to no knowledge about Islam, which are the converts. So it's important for converts to get your basic knowledge, right? The knowledge called Fadu'ai knowledge, which the knowledge that is required for Muslims to stand on their own. So uh, it's, it's great that your series is, is addressing that as well. So with this, uh, Alhamdulillah, we have uh, come to the end of our episode today. And inshallah, we will also have Brother Bilal on our first uh, episode of uh, Fundamentals to Faith. And we will be reflecting on some of the points that he has brought up today as well. Uh, the blessings of being a Muslim in Singapore. And also kind of some of the challenges faced by uh, practicing in Singapore. And also, you know, coupling on with his experience as being a French convert. And, and perhaps talking about the French community in Singapore. I think that would, uh, you know, one up to be an interesting discussion. And that episode will be posted on Friday. So inshallah, we'll catch you on that episode. And uh, inshallah, today we've had a very, very insightful and beneficial session. It's an amazing start to season two of Commerce Central. And uh, we will end this uh, episode with a uh, uh, recitation of Tasbih Kafa and Surah to us. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika ashadu an la ilaha ila dastafruka wa Alhamdulillah, thank you so much, Madhubillah, for coming on. And inshallah, we will see you on Friday. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Wa alaikum salam. Thank you for inviting again. You take care and have a nice uh, Monday.